It might seem like a distant memory now, but all that stuff that happened last fall really did play a crucial role in setting the direction, setting the course for the global economy. Everything that will follow in 2023 was set in motion by that financial volatility, the UK, the gilt market, the pound crisis, even those dollar auctions at the Swiss National Bank. They told you that at that time, the global monetary system was experiencing massive disruption, fire sales, liquidations, um, hedging, massive hedging that would create problems for the global economic system. And we knew there was problems in the global economic system almost immediately. Look at the way financial curves have behaved in the immediate aftermath of all of that that went on in September last October. You had the U.S. Treasury yield curve go from moderately inverted to holy crap inverted. I'll give you some numbers here. Um, since November 7th, which was the last peak, the la- that spike up in interest rates, short-term and long-term rates, Since then, the six-month bill rate has gone up by an additional 70 basis points, which nearly matches the same for the Fed's rate hikes, which are up a cumulative 75 basis points in between. Yet the two-year note since November 7th, that's only up 28 basis points. Meanwhile, the five-year note is down eight. It's eight basis points lower today than it was back in November, even though the Fed has raised rates 75 basis points and is likely to do another one in just about two weeks' time. The 10-year is 25 basis points. This is as of yesterday. It's actually a little bit lower today compared to last November. And the 30-year long bond yield has dropped by 46 basis points since last November. Growth and inflation expectations, as Irving Fisher once told us. But this is not just a U.S. phenomenon. We find this everywhere. Germany, the German curve I've been highlighting since last September, when it inverted in unprecedented, unparalleled fashion. Ever since then, the German curve inversion has become even more unprecedented, even more unparalleled, even more extreme. Going back to October 21st, which was sort of the short-run fluctuation top back then, the German two-year treasury, the German two-year shots, the yield for that is up 113 basis points since October, consistent with the ECB's rate hikes. Yet the five-year bubble is only up 51 basis points. Uh, Even the three-year is only up 88 basis points. So The two-year 113, the three-year 88, the five-year 51, the 10-year is only up 19. And these are yesterday's numbers. It's a little bit less today. And what really should be alarming to everybody around the world, uh, an alarm sounding in every central bank conference room as they discuss more rate hikes and inflation, the 30-year long bund is one basis point lower yesterday than it was back in October, despite all the rate hikes. And again, the ECB, like the Fed, is going to rate hike uh, again in the near-term future. Based on what, though? Um, it's not just it's not just the, it's not just Treasuries. It's not just the, it's not just Germany. It's everywhere. This dichotomy between what's going on in the short run from central banks and what must be going on in the economy, which is different ever since those fireworks way back in September and October. Maybe, just maybe, the markets have been telling us the monetary damage had been done. It was too disruptive. There was too much liquidation. There's too much forced fire sales, too much monetary restriction. 
that changed the course of the global economy. Regardless of what the Fed or ECB or any other central bank does in the meantime, we're, we've passed the point of no return. So we're going to talk about what that means today. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you're really interested in going on to what these curves mean, how, they, how they're put together, what the monetary system actually looks like, nothing like the textbook, I've got Eurodollar University memberships for you, which we more geared toward educational background material to understand the basics, the constructions, what really goes on in the monetary system. Or if you're interested, Eurodollar University research subscriptions, a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into the analysis of what's going on today, how it got to be this way today and what it was likely to mean for tomorrow, or a daily briefing I, I produce in partnership with Markets Insider Pro. That's Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Shukart, a nice bundle available there at Markets Insider Pro. All the information for you, research, education, dollars, money, economy, eurodollar.university. These major inversions, these major increases in inversions across these curves are a product of two things. Obviously there has to be a difference something going on in the short end of, the, of each curve that is different from what's going on in the long end. And we know what the difference is. It's, it's not very difficult to figure out. It's central banks hiking rates for reasons that the market does not agree the, uh, that, are, that are consistent with the economic fundamentals. And those, those economic fundamentals changed around October and November in the aftermath of this monetary crisis or near crisis at the very least, which showed up in September and October. Again, those Swiss national bank auctions were a warning that things had gone maybe too far. And everything that has shown up since then has suggested yes. Now the, the problem most people have is that that was almost six months ago. It was six months ago. It was almost you know five and six months ago. So that's a lot of, it doesn't seem like it would take this long to show up in the real economy, but that's how these things work. Think back to 2007 and 2008. The monetary crisis of 2008 showed up in August of 2007, yet the U.S. economy really didn't feel the full effects of it until the summer of 2008. These are lengthy processes that take time to work their way through. But central bankers and economists they don't know this. They don't. They look at very different things because central banks don't do money. As I said yesterday in our Humphrey Hawkins video, the reason there was a Humphrey Hawkins in the first place was because Congress realized the Fed screws up all the time and wanted some way to make the Fed accountable, at least to the politicians in Congress, by forcing them to show up and talk about what's going wrong. That doesn't really happen, but just yesterday and now today, Jay Powell sort of sort of prove their point. Yesterday he says, sounding ultra hawkish, he said ultra hawkish. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of interest rates. Restoring price stability will likely require that we maintain a restrictive stance of monetary policy for some time. So everybody took that as, okay, January payroll, CPI, unemployment rate, the Fed's going to hike a lot longer. And then today, what should have been a repeat of yesterday, Powell says, if, quote, if 
And I stress that no decision has been made on this. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. So yesterday it made it sound like it was a foregone conclusion based on the January data. Today he says, well, maybe the January data wasn't as inclusive, as conclusive as I made it sound yesterday. If you think the Fed is just winging it, making things up, that's because they are. They don't follow the markets. They don't follow all of these warning signals. Instead, they're looking at the payroll report or the CPI, which are at best backward looking. Meanwhile, the markets, as I said, the markets understand the real fundamentals of the economy and that they passed the point of no return months ago, which has implications not just for CPIs in the future, but also real economic circumstances. Again, it's not just treasuries, not just German bonds. We see this in Eurodollar futures where the short end of the yield curve is having enormous tr trouble, trouble trying to figure out where it is that the Federal Reserve will stop hiking rates. Remember last year, the Eurodollar futures had inverted starting with the December 22 contract. And then, the, then it was the March 23 contract, which is just about to go off the board. And now the inversion peak starts at around the September 2023 contract, goes down a little bit, but either way, what has been consistent throughout the last couple months has been once the rate cuts start, once rates start going down, they're going to go down steeply. That's Euro dollar futures. We see this in the U.S. Treasury curve, the difference between the six month and 12 month bill rate, which isn't a huge spread, but it's huge in comparison to historical context. Uh, it's about 10 or 15 basis points lately. That's an enormous one. Uh, I mentioned Germany. The fact that it's downward sloping from the beginning, downward sloping at all. Again, the markets are telling you something important there. How about Canada? The Canadian yield curve. The Canadian yield curve between the one year and four years is ridiculously steep. It's about minus 100 basis points as of yesterday. Back in uh, October, it was only 30 basis point inverted. So Canada, like all of the rest, major inversion to begin with got even worse, unprecedented, unparalleled after all that stuff that happened in September and October because central bankers claim to be data dependent and the data in these interim periods is all over the place. So Jay Powell basically testified yesterday and today they're not really sure what's going on in the real economy as far as it goes to as far as it, as far as it goes with inflation as well as the economy and the markets know it thus these major inversions because these are inversions all over the place and all of these all of these uh, markets around the world you start to get the sense again this can't be just a US thing it can't be a German thing it can't be a Canada thing or North America this is a globally synchronized problem. As I said, September and October, UK, Switzerland, Euro dollar, reserve currency problems leading to global problems. And global problems usually means global trade recession shows up first and then spills over across national economies. That's what we've seen, especially over the last 15 years. The Reserve Bank of Australian statement said, Global inflation remains very high. Global, global inflation. In headline terms, it is moderating, although services price inflation remains elevated in many economies. It will, it will be some time before inflation is back to target rates. Yeah, we'll see about that. The outlook for the global economy remains subdued with below average growth expected this year and next. Below average growth expected by central banks, 
markets are pricing something very different. Back to Australia. The monthly CPI indicators suggest that inflation has peaked in Australia. Goods price inflation is expected to moderate over the months ahead due to both global developments and softer demand in Australia. Again, globally synchronized. Now, of course, the Reserve Bank of Australia blames this global uncertainty on rate hikes. When we see markets began to anticipate this point of no return for inflation, consumer prices, not inflation, for consumer prices, as well as the economy back last September and October, well before rate hikes had a chance to do much of anything, assuming they do what everybody says they do anyway. Now, I showed this a couple days ago in a previous video, but I really, I really want to highlight this here again. It's the OECD's composite leading indicators for the G20 countries, which are the largest countries, as well as those individually. And what you see again is not only are they down in positions or comparable uh, low comparisons to 2020, 2008, 2009, maybe in the case of, uh, of China, you got 1997's global Asian financial crisis, which was really a, a regional dollar shortage. The point is that these leading indicators suggest that the economy across the world in 2023 is maybe in much worse shape than we than certainly central bankers are prepared for and maybe most of the public is actually expecting. And what's really important about them is how similar each of these indexes have been. These leading indicators move in near synchronized fashion. It's a globally synchronized trend. It's not China's in trouble or the US or Australia. As the Reserve Bank of Australia said, the global economy seems to be doing something and we know it's going to impact Australia. But it's not going to just impact Australia, it's going to impact everybody at some point. And what we really see is a global trade recession that has already developed and it, and it showed up right around November and December in the immediate aftermath of that massive financial uh, instability September and October. I've talked about Germany's trade numbers, which were horrific. Talked about Japan's, which were pretty bad, especially as it pertained to China. We got import-export numbers for the U.S. today, or was it yesterday? Yesterday, I think. I can't remember. Um, imports dropped off substantially into the U.S. in November. They came back slightly in January and February, but you see is the sawtooth pattern heading downward. Um, exports, same thing. Dropped off heavily since August, came back a little bit in January. Uh, but what the U.S. import data shows is the same thing we also got from the Chinese yesterday, which was, again, a global, global trade recession. The Census Bureau shows U.S. imports from China were down 20% year over year in January. The Chinese went one better. They said US, or, uh, Chinese exports to the U.S. were down by... Let me see here, 21.8%. But that was January and February combined. So the Chinese are saying as bad as it was in January, it was probably just as bad in February. But it wasn't just to the U.S. Chinese exports overall for January and February combined down 7% year over year. So much for this reopening hype. It doesn't seem to be holding up, at least in terms of trade, We'll see about the internal Chinese economy later this month when we get some of the, the other economic data. But imports into China 
suggests that it's not going well there either because imports were down. Uh, let me see here. 10.2% year over year. 10.2%. January and February combined. And those were compared to January and February 2022, which were not awesome years. Um, imports from Japan, as I say, as I showed before, Japanese exports to China down huge in January. Well, the Chinese say, yep, they were, except not just January, down huge in January and February, 23.1% imports from Japan into China. Imports from South Korea down 29% January and February. Imports from Taiwan down 30.9%. And remember, these are value terms. These are nominal terms. These are not by volume. You have to wonder what the volumes must be here. The Japanese kind of gave us a sense with their numbers. The Chinese don't really give us much by volume, except in one crucial key commodity, which is, as we've talked about before, crude oil. Where did all of that crude oil show up from? The crude oil that, that showed up in domestic U.S. stocks, where did that come from? We know it didn't come from additional supply because there isn't any. It came largely from trade that didn't happen, usage that didn't happen across Asia, as we see in these trade numbers. But the Chinese also give us, as the, the world's largest importer of oil, they didn't import much oil in January and February either. Again, so much for reopening hype. It has completely disappointed. The Chinese show that in January and February 2023, the volume of oil imported in tons, they, 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 uh, they measure it in tons for some reason, but the volume of oil imported in tons was less in 2023 than it was in 2022, which was less than 2021, which was less than 2020, and it was also barely more in 2023 than it was in the same months of February 19. So much for robust economic growth that was going to was going to create demand for oil. In fact, the opposite seems to have happened, because China, as some of the, many of these Asian countries, is heavily exposed to something like a global trade recession, which ends up globally synchronizing the entire world economy in the wake of a globally synchronized monetary disruption back in September and October. So we got the money. Then we've got the curves and we got the economy moving in sequence. And what it all ends, ends up meaning is that as central bankers are hiking rates for inflation risks, they think they are real. The market knows we passed all that many months ago and we're just waiting for when the consequences of it all become clear enough and it ends the rate hikes. And of course, at that point, nothing much is good in the real economy. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and the Eurodollar University Markets Insider Pro research subscribers. Until next time, take care.